Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Defense, defense, defense. This is the defense episode. We're going to pick our all-defensive teams. We'll reveal our defensive players of the year. And then we'll do worst team all-defense as well, in addition to a, a number of other interesting categories that we came up with. So this is going to be a great chance to just talk about a ton of players and our observations on their individual defense. So do you want to talk a little bit, though, Danny, about just what some of the principles are, what some of the stats are that you're generally going to look at here when you're evaluating uh, on uh, both uh, I guess we can just talk about good defense first and then we can when we get to the uh, worst team all defense we can talk about that but what do you look at when you're really trying to figure out who the absolute best defenders in the league are it can be a challenging endeavor especially because with what is at least publicly available at the moment measuring and quantifying defense is substantially harder and the eye test is incredibly useful but when you think about even people who watch as much as we do and we watch every single team you're not not getting the full picture you know you're not getting every game every possession anything like that and so i try to meld the two you know who looks who really looks dominant when i get to see them and then also the different components of defense i mean this has come up with a guy like robert covington before in the past where covington is a better team defender than man-to-man defender and so each of those has value it just depends on what that team needs and and specifically how what they do goes into play something that i really like is versatility so you'll see some players that on my all defensive teams they get high on the list because they they basically take on whoever is the other team's toughest cover and that is incredibly important especially if you're on a team that doesn't have a lot of defensive players that the ability to do that and do a do a really good job is incredibly important and then at center you know there are different ways to succeed but i'm still more of a traditionalist where you know if you can protect the rim and defensive rebound and and end possessions and alter shots that to me is still if that is still kind of the archetype unless you are so good in a switching system that you can keep everything flowing and that's really 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 hard to do yeah how do you balance all right i'm putting you on this guy and you're not going to let this guy score i think that due to switching systems due to the prevalence of the pick and roll due to less isolation play than we saw in past years that in some ways is less important than ever before especially in the regular season now as we saw with robert covington you get the wrong playoff matchup and i think he also just didn't play well for whatever reason in the playoffs last year but you know he couldn't stop jason tatum and and jalen brown but clearly he really helps as a team defender and that's the next component is how good are you at helping your 
your teammates how aware are you how good are you at blowing up actions off the ball how good are you at helping and then getting back to your man without allowing an advantage how smart are you helping off the the right guys or the wrong guys and then also how do you affect the system that you are in can you play in multiple systems can you guard other positions can you switch if necessary can you hold up in the post can you hold up on the perimeter can you get over screens in a conventional style if you're a perimeter player can you guard in the in the post there's so many more components i think of what makes a good defender these days than back in the days in the 80s and it was like okay just go guard your man and if your man doesn't score you're a good defender and if he does score you're a bad defender so uh anything to add there or shall we move into our our first teams Uh, i guess we could talk we could do it by position actually it probably seems a little easier yeah i think that that probably does seem that probably does seem easier um so we can start at well let's start at center i mean center is center is the the key kind of the linchpin of a lot of this though obviously there are plenty of perimeter defenders that are they're there and i think one of the stories for me this season was that there are a lot of there are a lot of talented perimeter or sorry interior defenders but that nobody still really stepped up and challenged rudy gobert as the best defensive the best defensive center you know game in game out in the regular season this year so for me there wasn't you know there, there are lots of other guys who i think could eventually you know like we've talked about this with anthony davis and joel Embiid before be impactful be huge but gobert centerpiece of a of a great defense yet again and a lot of that is i mean a lot of utah scheme is well if your guy gets beat he's going right into rudy gobert and you're and you're okay then that, that's not denigrating anybody else on the jazz obviously it's just that he makes a lot of what they do work and is spectacular yeah i think rudy did have a little bit of a fall off to start the year it came on uh, of course as time went on and gobert 103 defensive rating when he's on the floor when he's off the floor actually a little bit lower this year but the impact metric the jazz have also defended very well with him off the floor and they arguably have some better defensive personnel on some of their second units and just watching him and watching the way the jazz play i mean the the stats on the amount of shots that teams shoot in the restricted area he really holds that down when he's in the game the jazz also allow very few three-pointers a big part of that is because their perimeter players can be really aggressive on the perimeter closing guys out or top siding guys who are going to come off of screens and forcing them back door knowing that gobert is going to be there to help and then gobert even has improved his own ability to get out on the floor whether against pick and roll ball handlers or uh, against shooting centers as well so i think he has a little bit more versatility than some of the other centers and i think he has a great help recognition his effort level i think is higher than the other guys things like getting back on defense for example running the floor perhaps that's in part because he doesn't have quite as high of an offensive load but he is in awesome shape i mean he rolls to the basket hard a lot of times too so to say that he has like no offensive role would not be accurate so i, I think with, with all of that to me in the regular season gobert is the best defensive player utah one of the best defenses again and so he is my first team center uh but getting to second team probably the hardest decision that i had on here was whether miles turner or joel Embiid would be my second team all defense center did you face a similar conundrum i did and both guys that are incredibly talented that have 
the great tools and, you know, Turner has grown a lot over the course of the last year. He's become, you know, he's always been a good shot blocker, but becoming a better overall defensive player. And Indiana has not only been a better defensive team overall this year, but of course that's factoring in the time when these guys don't play. And Indiana has a way better defensive second unit and defensive center than Philly has for most of the year. But yeah, it it was definitely tough. I mean, there are, there are reasonable cases for both. Yeah, now Joel Embiid, the on-off, just the raw on-off metrics are actually in his favor. 103-3 defense when he is on, that is close to top of the league type of level. Uh, 108-3 when he's off, but again, the Phillies backup center situation has been really bad. Their bench wings have been really bad. Uh, Joel also, and this has a, a little bit to be said, he plays more of his minutes against backup groups than Gobert and Turner because he of the way he's deployed in three stints whereas those guys are generally deployed in two stints Turner a little ding for him too is that he doesn't play as many minutes a game only about 28 but he did he is on pace to to play 75 games this year whereas Embiid has played fewer games uh the advanced metrics also like Turner uh 2.83 defensive PIPM and for those who missed this explainer we did it a couple of award shows ago but PIPM is a metric developed by Jacob Goldstein which adjust for shooting luck with both free throws and uh, opponent three-pointers and uh, on offense your own three-pointers and uh free throws as well um and then looks at what the on-off metrics look like it adjusted for that but so turner has the advantage in defensive pipm big advantage in defensive rpm where he is second among viable candidates for first team center whereas Embiid is well down the list there uh, and then you throw in the additional games played for turner although Embiid has played more minutes per game uh but turner has played nine more games so i, I think it would have been very close well to I, I want to throw this yeah. in on the minutes point because i think yeah. this is so interesting when you talked about the difference they've played as of when we're recording this they've only played 16 minutes different on the season yeah i, I still think that for me i would rather have a guy who plays more games and fewer minutes versus a guy who plays fewer games and more minutes because he's, he's at least available now you could say well if he was that good he would be playing more minutes uh but for, for me I, I still think that uh i would go with turner been a part of a a better defense i think Embiid. just watching him his effort level has not been nearly as high this season and turner has taken a real step forward now if you ask me in a playoff series who would i rather have hey eh, you know that's a lot closer and again this was extremely close i decided to go with turner over and bead though as my second team all defense center where did you end up i went with Embiid over turner i value defensive rebounding a lot and Embiid yeah, is that's a big weakness is mark is fair. markedly better there and it is not that miles turner is a lopez twin and boxing out a lot and that's why i, I think they're like 25th percentile in defensive rebounding when miles turner's on the floor and also while miles turner is a more prolific shot blocker Embiid is i would say a more proficient shot changer and th- it's really hard to quantify that but yeah. when i when i see it and and, and i think Turner has gotten better. That was one of my big criticisms earlier in his career was that like DeAndre Jordan, he would fly in for blocks and then just be out of position for everything else. I think Turner has gotten better at being stout, but Embiid is just better at that too. So yeah, 
reasonable case for for Turner. I went with Embiid, and as a point of reference, just because this will come up, as long as there's a, a rely like a, enough of a usable sample, I'm generally in the more outstanding defender category than more valuable. You know, like for me, if a guy yeah. if a guy plays ten fewer games, but he's a better defender to me, that's a better defender. That's the all defensive team, and but th- that's just my personal interpretation of it. I've never seen a rigid criteria on it, so that's just the way I go. Yeah, to me, I would say Embiid is probably better but i just didn't think the effort level was there for large swaths of this season like that that was the biggest difference for me i mean i think he's as you mentioned the defensive glass he's probably a little better in the post definitely better switching out on the perimeter you know i don't think miles turner would successfully guard Giannis the way i mean success is all relative there obviously the way Embiid could you know i wouldn't want to see i think Embiid has had moments switching out on players at the end of games whereas uh, turner just hasn't been able to do that so uh, I did go with Turner but again it's it's very close and if you in a playoff series I probably would rather have it and be it assuming he were healthy and in shape uh let's hit the uh the forwards now here I thought my first team forwards were pretty clear I went with uh oh by the way at center I wouldn't say I really had any other serious candidates by the way uh it's other you know AD had he played the whole year might have been there but obviously did not so uh, did you have any other guys that you really considered at center Nope, just those three. All right, so forward, I thought was pretty clear on my first team. Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I, I gave I gave Draymond a little bit of consideration, but he doesn't have as good of a case as the other two guys for me overall. And there, we can go through that when we when we get down to him. But yeah, I mean. Paul and and I like the combination of Paul George and Giannis because they have very different cases because of their different roles but I think both of them are incredibly strong. I'll start with Paul George. He to me uh, has been the best perimeter defender in the league this year and just a nasty job defending really whoever they put on him. He's so good at navigating screens and a part of a hu- uh, of a great defense and that's you know th- even though Perimeter players do not often win Defensive Player of the Year. They obviously have. Kawhi's won it. Ron Artest won it. But I th- that case to me was actually more quote-unquote conventional than Giannis because Giannis is, he's not the primary, you know, like the archetypes that I've used for years are like the 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 stopper defender and then the rim protector, you know, those, those sorts of ideas, you know, Ben Wallace and Tayshawn Prince, if you want to go that direction. Giannis doesn't necessarily have either one of those roles. He does both of them at times, but he's more everything in between. And he's so damn good at that, forcing turnovers, contesting shots, getting rebounds, that he gets a high place on this list. Yeah, and he's got a fair amount of versatility too. Now, he can't get over a screen, but he can guard most guys in isolation. The defensive rebounding has been excellent helped by both the number of misses that the Bucks force and having Brooke Lopez next to him as a good box out guy a lot of the time but I mean you still he's still inhaling these rebounds blocks a lot of shots he's a force at the rim an intimidator at the rim covers a ton of ground to I me mean, a lot of what the Bucks do is helping into the lane and then Giannis is usually the low man the Bucks give up a ton of above the breakthroughs but not as many corner threes in part because Giannis he's able to crash into the lane help and then close out to the corners with that fantastic speed and george i think 
you know, OKC's defense was very good for a lot of the year. You mentioned getting through screens. He's also strong enough to hold up a, against the power wings as well. And a, a fantastic guy in the passing lanes, excellent help defender. He just materializes in the lane a lot of times on enemy pick and rolls from the weak side. So yeah, he, he's definitely one of the best to, to me. Um, second team was really interesting. I'm just going to go through the guys that I consider. Oh, wait, here. can I mention one more thing quickly on Giannis? Oh, sure. I, I, I pulled this sure. stats. So I wanted to mention it. Um, I, there is plenty of noise in it that NBA.com's defense, they do defended field goal percentage, basically the shots you defend at the rim, how if they go in and you would guess that, you know, if a guy's a good, there are a lot, there's lots that can be in that, but uh, there are 98 players that have, con- that contest three or more shots per game. Giannis is 10th in def- in field goal percentage, opponent field goal percentage on those that he contests, right between Rudy Gobert and Serge Ibaka, just ahead of Joel Embiid this year. I'm not saying he's better than those guys, but that just shows the impact that he has. Yeah, and also worth noting that he's playing next to a center yes. the vast majority of the time, who's also it has an effect on a lot of those plays, too. Right, so right, right. It's... When yeah, you are, that's, I'm not saying that's yeah. gospel or anything. I just it's just yeah. it's impressive. So I want to mention. Yeah, I mean, just in general, when you're looking at those stats, I think it's oftentimes more impressive for a center than it's going to be who's really the guy who's protecting the rim. If you don't necessarily have another rim protector next to you, so here's who else I was considering uh, at Ford, and so some of these guys are are more clearly honorable mention types, but I think they deserve mention at least for their defensive performances here. Paul Millsap. Andre Guadalla, though his minutes are down, he doesn't start, obviously, you know, probably too few minutes really be in consideration, but you know, he remains one of the best. Draymond Green, actually very good in PIPM on defense this season. He is at 2.5 defensive PIPM. That's right up there with Embiid above Paul George, a little bit below Giannis. Not quite as good in defensive RPM. He's 17th in the NBA, but that's still very good for a forward. And a lot of the guys above him are players who, frankly, just you know should not be in this conversation or didn't play anywhere close to enough minutes. I mean, if you, if you look at the guys who you actually played enough minutes and we know are actually good, you would say that defensive RPM, Rudy Gobert is number one, Miles Turner is number two, Brooke Lopez three, Nurkic four, Millsap five, AD sixth, and Green would be seven seventh in that category paul george eighth Giannis ninth uh pj tucker still someone that we talk about as a linchpin of that houston system that james harden requires everybody to switch whenever he's involved in a screen but i think houston's overall defensive performance throughout the year is a little too spotty uh to get him up there Kawhi leonard slipped a little bit defensively this year the impact metrics are not as good and also just his overall effort level has not been amazing i'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in the playoffs but i thought he had a few more lapses in terms of giving up cuts and effort level this year as well pascal siakam another guy who is on the rise but he's not really that good at getting through screens if he's on the perimeter. And I think he's not quite strong enough against a, a lot of the power players. But certainly another guy who's all over the place, gets a lot of defensive rebounds, shows up in the passing lanes, a very solid defensive player. So that leaves the two guys that I went with, or I guess I mentioned one of them already, Draymond Green. And then the other one is Thaddeus Young on the second team it probably would have come down to Millsap as the guy with the best case but Millsap missed time Young hasn't and Young has been on a better defense albeit with more talent around him I think that Young at this point is the superior one-on-one defender to Millsap 
moving his feet now the Pacers don't really switch very much but I do think Young is capable in there when necessary and I also think he is a, a pretty solid help defender I, I might say Millsap's got a little bit better uh, instincts but Young to me is quicker and then also played more games which like you I like to go with this player I think is superior but when it's very close I, I can use that as a tiebreaker and, and that's what I did here I had Draymond ahead of the other contenders and I'll go through who those were first of all I mean he's just a massive his versatility being able to be the yeah. the center of their uh, of the one of the best defensive lineups in the whole league and whatever kind of approach that they they could switch a lot with that group they could also just have him as a rim protector and the Warriors team defense numbers are down this year but part of that is because Draymond Green missed some time and wasn't right physically at the beginning of the year when he's been when he's been on his it seems like his fastball is pretty dang close if not really where it was last couple of years maybe not absolute peak going back but he's fantastic and yeah, so i think protecting the rim he's not quite yeah. at the same level yeah that, and and he's he i think as a man-to-man defender he's maybe taken like a like a quarter step back from where he was but not not a not a ton there so i yeah, had him I, I still think he's the best playoff defender in the league so do i and so yeah i i was i thought kind of for for a brief period of time that he might work his way onto the first team but those two george and Giannis, have great cases i wasn't i wasn't going to move him past those guys then the last spot i really seriously considered three guys pascal siakam interestingly is the leader of those three in terms of like pipm i think he is an rpm as well but i'm a little bit i think it might be giving him a little bit too much credit he he's very good and that's why he's in this conversation but the other and then thaddeus young you 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 made a good case for him he's been an important element of this indiana defense that has surpassed expectations and and is legitimately really really good i ended up going with Millsap. i think he is a his help defense is an important part of of what has made denver potent this year you know he was big in their in their hot start to the year and i think he's i think he's just a better overall defender i i'm not gonna say that it's there there's not a case for Thaddeus Young. I just think I, I like Paul Millsap's brand of defense a little bit better. And there is a a different challenge being the counterpart for while Jokic has taken major strides, Miles Turner is in is it a defensive, you know, an all defensive team candidate. You had him on your second team, and Millsap doesn't have that piece. And I think that's something. And also, I would say, especially with Gary Harris missing so much time this year, that the surrounding defensive talent on on the Nuggets is meaningfully worse than it is on the Pacers. And so that's actually oftentimes my tiebreaker is, well, how how hard is the ecosystem for that specific player? And and for me, Millsap has, I'm not saying his day-to-day job is harder, but his surrounding talent, it requires more cleanup. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with you. I, I just like Young a little bit better as a Oh, a Oh, before I forget, one other guy that you didn't mention, and yeah. I know why you didn't, that I would have considered had he played more time as Robert Covington. Covington is still an awesome oh, defender. Oh, yeah, he only played 35 games. Yeah, he only played 35 games. So... But, like, if he had played 55, 60, I prob- he probably would have gotten that last spot for me. Yeah. He was, I mean, had another, had another really good year. metrics very, very favorable to him. Uh, and that translated when he came over to Minnesota. I mean, he really was what they had been missing when he was there. Yeah, here I, I wrote about this, actually. My Minnesota offseason preview came out today for The Athletic. But... 
I wrote in that that Minnesota might be closer than some people think to the playoffs because if Covington can actually play next year, they actually they defended well in those minutes, and Covington was obviously a huge part of that considering they didn't defend particularly well the rest of the time. So let's move to guard. I had four guys who I was trying to decide between, but I thought there's a clear delineation below those four. And those four guys, I'll reveal who I picked for first and second team in a second. Marcus Smart finally played enough games and enough minutes to really get into the conversation this year. It started nearly the entire year for Boston. Their defense really improved as soon as he ascended to the starting lineup. As a two guard, his versatility is really important to me. You know, all right, maybe LeBron James, he's not going to be able to stop in the post, but you know, again, he's a two guard. His strength is outstanding. His help defense is really good has enough hops to actually even affect guys at the rim at times when he's in position uh goes after i mean he doesn't get a ton of rebounds but he goes after a lot of the most high value contested rebounds and as a two guard and most importantly to me he's probably the best guy in the nba at guarding guys who run off screens off the ball very good at holding and not getting called for it he can flop back when the guy pushes off you know he'll draw some offensive fouls in help defense as well but he just stays attached to guys and then even on the ball too he's outstanding getting through screens using his strength to direct the ball handler and so he's really just been fantastic all year you know i said last year that if he had just played more i thought on a per play basis he is the best defensive guard and i guess i am going to reveal who i have for my first team he, he's one of them so, uh the second first teams th- that one was a clear he, he's was the number one defensive guard in the league to me this season then i've got three other guys for these last three spots picking the other first team guy was difficult here drew holiday josh richardson and clay thompson are my other three guys was there anyone else that you thought was really in consideration for first or second team did you see it the same way as i did i had the same three top guys i'll say who i briefly considered because i think they all deserve mention for having strong years chris paul danny green and Derek white I, I really like this season. We'll start Derek White. I really like the season that he had. And I mean, remember, we didn't do this podcast last year, but DeJounte Murray would have been on my first team. And so to have these two guys who largely have played a part for two years, both I think who are. We did do this podcast last year. Did we? Yeah, I don't we remember. During doing... the playoffs, though. Oh, maybe that's I, why. I had, and I had Murray on my second team yeah. last year. But I, so... I had a list for it, at least. So yeah, I I'm not sure we, we ever actually recorded it. Anyway, not a big deal. It's in, uh, uh, but so, yeah, I, I just wanted to mention all of those guys. I mean, Danny Green has had another year. He is loved, loved by the, uh, the all in one metrics. And like basically every starter for the Toronto Toronto Raptors is, and he's having a nice year. But yeah, I ended up going with the same the same top three of this group as you did, and I had Smart above them as well. Um, I also had mentioned Eric Bledsoe. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an oversight by me. Yeah, Bledsoe should be mentioned too. And although he doesn't start and wouldn't be in consideration here, uh, Corey Joseph is outstanding sure. as yeah. well. So Thompson, Richardson, and Holiday. Uh, all have somewhat different cases. I think Richardson is the best playmaker in terms of being a shot blocker, steals guy. Also, maybe the best at guarding threes in this group, uh, although Thompson would have a case there too. Thompson is probably the best as a pure post-up guy. Uh, Holiday, unfortunately, had to guard bigger players more this year than would have been optimal, but New Orleans defense absolutely fell off a cliff whenever he was off the floor. When he and AD played together, it was pretty good. Uh, but without holiday it, it fell apart and 
that Holiday is still, I mean, he didn't even really get to guard point guards that much this year either. He's playing next to a point guard a lot of the time. But he is a, another guy who's just amazing getting around screens, amazing directing the ball where he wants it to go. Uh, and a pretty solid block shot artist and help defender at the rim in his own right at his size. Um, Thompson is almost as much of a linchpin of that warrior switching system as Draymond Green is and the strides that he's made in terms of his strength defensively in the last three or four years are really remarkable he can hold up in the post against basically anyone uh who's not a center I, I think it's really even LeBron he's been okay against him uh at times now of course it helps to have all these warriors help defenders buzzing around when you are stuck in the post but to just his ability to just not get back down is really really impressive and he's still he's not a huge playmaker he doesn't make a lot of plays at the rim he's not a steals guy at all that's why some of the defensive impact metrics that rely on box score metrics as a proxy he doesn't get any defensive rebounds either so he's always going to rate lower in those type of metrics but he's still and he's not as good as he was a few years ago getting around screens but still competes obviously and is a quality option there on the ball so and considering the his versatility to play in a switching system he still is solid there so i mean he is not the playmaker so I, that's why i had him on second team uh and then i also went with josh richardson over drew holiday uh on first team i think josh just makes a few more plays and holds up a little bit better against some of the biggest guys i mean he can he really almost starts the three a, a lot of times for miami so uh, and i think he's nearly as good on the perimeter as holiday is and has a little bit more versatility so that's why i went with richardson first team holiday and thompson second team I went with Holiday on the on the first team. I re, I mean Josh Richardson's an amazing defender and I could have I could have easily gone and I think you go in any any one of the three directions here. Uh, another piece of argument for Clay is in terms of synergy per synergy, he is the best pick and roll ball handler defender of this group. He's 90th percentile, which is really impressive when you consider that he's, you know, th- that I I would say the other two m- can move better than he is, but but he Thompson's just been wonderful in, in those in those circumstances and Again, that's in that's one piece of the puzzle here, but I I really respect the the challenge that Drew Holiday has faced as basically the only good perimeter defender on his team. I I respect that. I think that's really hard, and you see that in the way that their defense falls off a cliff when he's not on the floor. No problem with Richardson or Clay Thompson getting the spot, but I went I went with Drew, and you know that's kind of the tier two. Those guys all had great seasons. Defensive Player of the Year. I went with Rudy Gobert. I don't think it's particularly close. No, as great of years, Giannis and Paul George are my two and three in that order. I was surprised, that, you know, that, that 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 they really stepped it up this year and had those great cases. I mean, Paul George has been a very good defender for a while, but to get into the like real deep, meaty defensive player of the year conversation is great for him. And then Giannis, we've seen this physical potential coming for a while, but to deliver on it is fantastic. But Gobert, you know, is he has the traditional case, but he has a great traditional case. Number and also the advanced stats love him. He's number one in defensive RPM and defensive PIPM and passes the eye test just the the focal point of their defensive strategy and i think it's a pretty it's a pretty clear case this year 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially just within the regular season, the impact that a rim protector with his mobility can have on a night to night basis is unparalleled. And especially just the fact, the amount of effort that he brings every night is really remarkable. I mean, for to combine that wingspan that he has and that standing reach, nine seven standing reach, seven nine wingspan, to combine that with the strength that he's added, the effort level that he has. I mean, he is one of the best defensive players of all time. Uh, Still worry a little bit about his ultimate versatility against the absolute best offenses in the playoffs. That's why I might rather have Green and, you know, maybe even Giannis. We'll see uh, how he does this year uh, in a playoff setting. But uh, Gobert against most teams is just fantastic. Uh, Who would your two and three be for defensive player of the year? I want Giannis two, Paul George three. Yeah, so- I think that's uh, that's where I'm going to end up uh, as well. You know, if Miles Turner had played a few more minutes, and also also part of it too, it's certainly notable uh, that on all defense teams, a lot of times with defensive evaluations, that the media in general is a couple of years too slow, both in putting guys on and taking guys off of that category, but especially with someone like Turner who had not even really been that good before this year a lot of the impact metrics were great he'd taken a a lot of steps forward with his recognition he's a great pure shot blocker but I do uh, there's a reason why a lot of people view these multi-year on-off stats as more reliable and that is because there's a lot of vagaries that can be associated with defense from year to year it's very hard to evaluate and especially seeing guys in a playoff setting I think can be very informed Formative about where they are as a regular season defender also when you can really lock in on how those guys are being attacked and what their strengths and weaknesses are so i just couldn't go there quite yet with turner whereas paul george you know also on an elite defensive team impact metrics right up there as well playing more minutes and has been at an elite level for a very long time okay worst team all defense coming up here first though we got to talk to you about hulu which now has live sports and they are so interested in getting that word out there that they are paying some of the league's best players a lot of money to get that word out there joel Embiid has changed his nickname from the process to joel hulu has live sports and beat damian lillard got a tattoo that says hulu has live sports they want you to know that hulu has live sports i want you to know that hulu has live sports you can get over 60 live and on-demand channels tons of shows and movies and exclusive originals with hulu those exclusive originals are fantastic i've been watching with my wife pen 15 which is one of the funniest shows that we've seen in a long time and if you have a significant other since I don't think I'm breaking any news here to reveal that most of our listenership is male. She will love that show if she she hasn't heard it. It's about two girls coming of age in middle school. But hilariously, the two main characters are actually played by these adult comedians. And then everyone else is played by a kid that's actually that age. The writing is incredible. It really captures the utter pathos of being that age. So I really couldn't recommend... I would get Hulu just to watch that show, frankly and now of course you can get live sports as well for a far smaller dent in your wallet than cable makes 45 dollars a month watch your favorite teams the biggest games all season no cable required and of course you can also watch on the go with the hulu app on all your favorite devices
devices note that the live tv plan is required and restrictions apply learn more at hulu.com h-u-l-u hulu.com so here are some of the criteria that i looked at for worst team all defense i will note actually that it seems like there are fewer overall atrocious defenders this year especially at center some guys have made some strides and teams just aren't playing those guys as much but here are a few criteria to keep in mind. I mean, number one, obviously, is looking at whether the guy actually tries. Uh, so generally, I'm not going to throw someone on this list who tries and executes the scheme, but just has some physical limitations. Because generally, if you try and execute the scheme, even with physical limitations, I mean, you're you have limitations, but you're not that limited if you're in the NBA. Generally, you know, you're not going to be killing your team so badly that you have to be on this list. Uh, there's a special place for me on this list of the guys who are way worse. And their tools indicate who just either lack the recognition or lack the willingness uh, uh, to try the things that really are going to show up if a player just loses his man for no reason like no screen no real help responsibility to take him away from his man you just lose the guy for no reason like that's one that really is going to show up here uh, a lot uh if a guy is the closest defender when a layup you give up a layup in the half court where a guy just doesn't react either to penetration or you know giving up a back caught to his own man something like that uh the behavior of opposing offenses is also something you can look at very closely remember like carmelo anthony last year for example if opposing teams are just going after the guy whether it's running screens for him whether it's trying to iso against that guy that's a big indicator running pick and roll at that guy all the time if he's a big uh and then also you look at what his own coach does is he being hidden on the worst offensive player if you are a center this is a huge one if you're a center is the system designed to save you and and interestingly enough a lot of times when you're a bad center the system will be okay we're going to get you out on the floor and we're going to trap pick and roll ball handlers and yeah maybe you're a little slow but we have to do that because if we just left you back in conventional pick and roll defense you're just going to get killed uh and then also you know playing time matters too you know if you're just some bench guy coming in for 15 minutes a game you're not killing your team that much they can usually you know you're not going up against the best guys uh but i think we can give special consideration to those guys that either are not or can't be just for political reasons or whatever you know carmelo again last year the perfect example he was my no defense player of the year last year when those guys can't be taken out of the lineup that's like a a real concern i tried to limit this to guys who played more than a thousand minutes this year maybe there'll be a few honorable mentions below that so with that said uh, anything you want to add to your criteria before we get started on the centers nothing that i need to add but one that i want to emphasize and reiterate is if a team has to adjust their scheme because of that player to me that is a really important limitation that doesn't get discussed enough that if and even though he's not going to be like a high guy on my team i want to mention this with james harden like i mean just with the switching you see you see some of that and i mean it, it doesn't it fits a lot of their personnel and yeah. they've chosen he, he can't and won't get through a screen so every screen involving him they switch and they don't necessarily switch everything else right so. and, and at least not this year but he yeah. i mean now harden within that scheme he's at least capable of playing that scheme sure you know so, so that's why he's that's why he's not like at the bottom of my list but i wanted to mention yeah. him as a guy that they had to adjust things for him sure absolutely and I, I mean you know a great so many times people are like oh well you know it's uh the center was getting all these dunks at the rim and i believe blame the center and they're like well you idiot they were trapping it was it was the 
the backside rotations were bad well okay why were they trapping because the guy can't hold up in a more conservative pick and roll defense scheme you have to protect him by bringing him out of the floor and getting it out of the ball handler's hands that's why these guys are getting a, a ton of dunks at the rim at, as the center and yeah the backside help could be better but the whole reason you're playing that scheme is, is because of, of your center generally in this day and age if you have a defensive center that's getting out on the floor like that i mean unless you're going against you know against a normal pick and roll player like if you're have a guy who's getting out on the floor against steph curry okay that's like you know or dame lillard fine that that's just because the offensive player demands that but if you're doing that on an every night basis it's because you're you i mean coaches don't want to do that like coaches realize that staying solid generally is better but if you're getting way out on the floor as part of your every night scheme that's generally because your center just can't hold up it normally and you got to protect him with that uh okay is the shall we get to center now okay you want you want to start with center yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that just deserve some mention here. Sure. Dirk Nowitzki, sad as it is to say, just can't do anything on defense anymore other than an occasional strip move or guarding a post up, but didn't play enough minutes to get serious consideration for first team. And, and we're only going to do a, a first team here, by the way. Uh, Ennis Cantor, perpetually on this list, he's played about 1,500 minutes, so he is absolutely eligible just terrible with the Knicks and how much better the Knicks got defensively when they went to Mitchell Robinson oh, a great shot blocker but also a rookie that was telling Thomas Bryant has had a very efficient offensive year but he provides very little defensively not really a shot blocker not great instincts and lacks the speed to get out on the floor deandre jordan just doesn't move or jump anymore <laughs> like, like not only does he not leave the paint but a lot of times when guys drive into the paint he just doesn't even jump because uh, maybe he just wants to stay in his precious defensive rebounding position uh I, i'll let you throw a few guys out there now so I haven't seen as much with the eye test. It, I mean, a few little times, but uh, William and Gomez is actually last in defensive RPM among centers. So yeah, I think the, that, that... I mean, there, he's been very productive offensively. There's yes. a reason he hasn't... He's been in and out of their rotation, and that is that his defense has been pretty... And, and it's not exactly like they have a robust group, considering Frank Kuzminski is also a pretty pretty rough defender. Yeah, I mean, they experimented with so... And like, yeah, Kaminsky is on this list too, by the way. But And, and yeah. while I don't think he's necessarily as egregiously bad as some of the guys on this list mantras harrell being so talented being so productive and talented offensively and being helpful to the team but also being a big limitation in terms of like important games and crunch time and all that because he can't play defense isn't like so i don't think he's as bad but his weaknesses are in some ways more significant than some of the other guys on the list kenneth farid not a good defensive player in the slightest him getting out of the rotation i think has helped houston a fair amount Montrez Harrell, love his offense. He'll protect the rim every once in a while, but he is also pretty slow moving his feet. Too small to guard post-up centers and not a huge deterrent at the rim and also not really quick enough to switch out in the perimeter despite his uh, the fact that he's kind of smaller. You'd think he might be able to do that, but, but he can't. Myers Leonard, atrocious impact metrics. He'll play a lot of times next to another center, but when he has to play center, it's really rough. And Amari Spellman also really struggled this year. He played a lot of power forward too, but as a rookie with some conditioning problems early in the year, that was a problem. Tristan Thompson used to be good because he could switch out on the perimeter. He can't do that anymore, and now he doesn't protect the rim at all either. Never had the greatest help instincts. So, uh, I mean, he's played a lot of minutes. So has Ante Zizic for when you're the center on maybe the worst statistical defense of all time, you're going to get a mention here. Rashawn Holmes 
good offensive center exposed in more minutes good shot blocker but a really bad defensive rebounder his recognition is not amazing but my worst team all defense center is deandre ayton part of that is the one thing that he's good at he really almost never was asked to do which is actually switch out on the perimeter because the rest of their guys can't switch either so part of the problem was just that he and also switching is a lot easier for guys who have recognition problems like he does but the combination for Aiton of very bad recognition both in terms of his pick and roll defense angles when to attack the ball handler when to get back to his man you know the Suns had to go with a, in a lot of games with very aggressive pick and roll defense styles getting him out on the floor like the Thomas Bryant 13 for 13 game was all because they had to switch their scheme and get him way out on the floor against Bradley Peel and then they were just throwing it to Thomas Bryant and he was dunking it uh the so and then lack of reaction a lot of times in help defense he improved some as the year went on but it just had so far to go and then the other thing is just when he's in position he doesn't actually block the shot like despite that 7-5 wingspan he doesn't have much raw shot blocking talent as i said before that's where i differentiate him between some of these other guys who had recognition problems but at least could block the shot when they were there so and he really his block numbers are extremely low so and then you throw in the number of minutes that he played the fact that he just you know it was basically an edict that he was going to have to start every game that he's gonna have to close most games and that you just i mean i think he i think he has the most minutes played of any of these guys that we've mentioned and that's uh why he is my first team center who did you have I had Julius Randle. Aiton was a close second, but for oh, me... Oh, yeah, I, I mentioned I had him in my forward line. Yeah, so he he played more center than, than power forward this year, and this will parallel with somebody I'm going to talk about in a later section. To me, Randle was so bad at power forward that he had to play more center, and that's a big problem because he's not good at center either and i mean he's just he's just terrible i mean he's just just an awful defender and yeah i mean he's another guy where he's okay switching and can't do anything else yeah i'm 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 checking no i'm just really interested in i was looking at some of the on-off stuff with davis and and randall wasn't as wasn't as stark as i thought it would be off the top of my head but yeah i i and the case for Aiton is fine but just randall just abysmal there and it i think he was a big part of why new orleans couldn't really couldn't really get it together outside of their their other their two very good defenders and so i gave him the nod but and also i wanted to respect Aiton for improving over the course of the year when julius randall did not but yeah both totally fine yeah julius was up there for me at forward although he did not make it far fewer candidates here at forward um again worth noting that they're at center i thought there are fewer candidates this year i mean there just aren't as many bad defensive centers playing a lot of minutes at this point in time i mean that's what really separated Aiton to me and and randall probably would have been my number two if i if i classified him as a center um at forward jabari parker and bobby portis played terrible defense in two stops parker's transition defense in particular was absolutely atrocious this year did get a little better on the defensive glass than he had been in milwaukee but uh and in the post he's okay every once in a while but it's uh it's not good he used to have more ability to get out on the perimeter before the knee injury even that now has been pretty limited and portis he also could have been eligible at center as well just other than rebound doesn't do anything well he can't jump he can't move laterally he doesn't have good recognition not a great rim protector john collins 
can jump but not really capable of playing center at power forward he's a little bit too slow and just does not i think he's someone who could get better in time but in this his second year just didn't have the recognition just so so many times when guys who get back cut near him or you know he just didn't fulfill his help responsibilities and when i say back cut near him not necessarily his man but if there was a, a help situation that required a rotation that he just did not make randall we've talked about so it really came down to me for three guys for two spots ultimately lebron james kevin knox and andrew wiggins and i went with james and knox yeah i mean those guys are are, are fine there i would add in a, a fourth guy i had john collins on in this group and actually had him on my first team because again he was so so bad at what they, it would be great for the hawks if he could be at least a competent defensive center but having to play him at power forward not only due to personnel but due to him not being able to defend at all at that position they were just a train wreck was to be that that was in some ways more impactful so i wanted i i put him there but yeah no problem with i mean LeBron, lebron's this is the second year in a row where regular season LeBron defense was extremely important for the arc of that team, even though his injury and other things were more important. Yeah, they did. He wasn't killing their defense before the injury. Right. Afterwards, uh, they couldn't stop anyone and they had better personnel around him as well early on. Tyson Chandler was playing more for some reason. He just uh, didn't get played at all down the end. And then, I mean, in part, probably because they just couldn't score either and couldn't hit a shot. And because Chandler's pretty miserable offensively at this point in time and then Lonzo was out uh, towards the end but when you look at how corrosive James was to the Lakers culture this year and the number of times that he would just not rotate and then uh, his body language with getting mad at other guys when it really was his fault uh I mean, he still is capable of bringing it at various points. But his quote of, oh, yeah, well, if they if they think I'm bad on defense, like, why don't they just go right at me? Well, it's not about your one-on-one defense necessarily, as it is the fact that you just are not a good help defender anymore and you never get out on shooters. And uh, I think just because of the Lakers implosion, uh, I felt like it, it had to be LeBron. And then Kevin Knox, I mean, the impact metrics for him on both ends are awful. He is the first player in the history of ESPN's RPM, which goes back to 2013-14, to have below a negative seven RPM and play over a thousand minutes. Uh, you could make the argument that this is one of like the worst seasons in NBA history that he had. And certainly defensively doesn't make any plays, can't get through a screen, not going to make multiple efforts to, to close on the perimeter, maybe even a single effort to close out in the perimeter had a few good rebounding games, but not really a, a great defensive rebounder either. Uh, and, just didn't know where to be didn't know what he's doing and yeah he's an 18 year old rookie i'm not saying he's never going to get better but uh, it was what it was this season and that was extremely poor and and andrew wiggins i thought that he showed increased effort last year i actually when i wrote that piece for the athletic said that he was better this year even or last year even though he wasn't good but i thought uh, he really fell off Uh, the difference that covington made being in and out of the lineup i thought was very telling for how effective wiggins was when we didn't see as much effort from wiggins Wiggins uh, as we did in the past and obviously his offensive game was atrocious as well and then one other guy I want to mention too is not due to lack of effort but he's just so small at the small forward position and that's Will Barton it just he's whenever the other team has any kind of a uh, effective small forward with size you know, they're just going to go right at him and it's not uh, I guess it's partially his fault because he stayed in Denver because he was offered the starting job at, at small forward but he's a shooting guard and he's being asked to play small forward and he's not like a Josh Richardson Clay Thompson style of shooting 
shooting guard either defensively. So I want to mention Marquise Chris as well. He's had a couple of highlight shot blocks, but just his recognition is still abysmal. Yeah, he didn't play enough for me. Yeah, I just want in in that in that group of like, hey, this guy's also bad. So my my first team was Collins and Knox. Knox has just been been awful this year, and the, the I I hope that he will get better, and I think that he well he will get better obviously from where he's right now, but where where he where he gets to in terms of like league average will be extremely important if he is a, a an important piece for Knicks. We'll have that that we'll have to see with who they sign and everything else this summer. We can move into into the guards and. Because of the importance of the position def- uh, offensively, there are there are more bad defenders here because you can justify exactly bad defense with that. I mean, you could throw in some of the old the old mainstays: Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, Marco Bellinelli. Bryn Forbes tries, but he's just so small that other teams basically do not really acknowledge his existence. So I want to—I don't think he's as bad as some of the other guys on the list, especially in terms of effort. But I mean, that—that's a a consideration, especially when when all of the other—well, not all of them, because Patty Mills, but a lot of the other San Antonio guards are so good defensively that he's just such an such an easy attack point for them is notable as well. Rajon Rondo, big part of the Lakers' defensive decline, although because he missed so much time due to injury not getting it quite as much consideration he was a, a point guard for me last year just uh, i've talked many times about rondo's just total lack of physicality at this point in his career whether it's getting over a screen whether it's any kind of just providing zero resistance whatsoever in the post i mean every time he, it's like he's trying to pull the chair but like he never did the part where like you stand up to the guy first and make him like really lean against you <laughs> uh that's what he does on every possession and then he just makes a lot of dumb gambles whether it's for like offensive rebounds he's a really bad transition guy or just going for steals at bad times and generally it's so infuriating because he thinks he's so smart but he makes a lot of dumb plays trying to prove he's smart and then those plays always seem to be where oh you can make this gamble and isn't it a nice little coincidence that it takes five steps to make that gamble instead of the 25 that it would take to sprint back on defense uh lou will i think you mentioned harden is at least on this list for me because of the fact that you just you have to switch you can't he he, few of these guys affect your whole scheme defensively on the guard line the way he does um but to get into some uh, reggie jackson is another one too i mean no matter you can take the three perimeter players that the pistons are going against and he has to guard the worst one every single time and there's no reason really like he's one of those guys who even after the injuries i mean he's got like a seven foot wingspan like he should be a lot better and just never has been tim hardaway jr negative 2.57 defensive pipm that is absolutely atrocious he's been one of the worst in the nba for a long time d'angelo russell was a little better this year but he's still terrible another guy who just absolutely will not compete physically in the slightest but i i brought it down to a few candidates here zach levine colin sexton although jordan clarkson deserves a little honorable mention as well trey young and devin booker were the four that i gave the most consideration to uh, anything else you want to chime in on before i reveal with the drum roll my my picks here did, did you mention Dennis Schroeder? Schroeder's defense this year has been underratedly bad. I wouldn't say he's like in, at the in the same level as some of the worst guys on this, but I wanted to mention him. He will come up with my superlatives as well. Yeah, Schroeder, I, I thought he at least has given a little bit better effort in terms of help defense, trying to take some charges. Like he's at least doing something. I think you know people at OKC say that his defense has been better, and uh, that's not good. But I still didn't think he was quite at the the negative level of some of these guys. Um, but certainly not a 
good defender. I, I'm, uh, I acknowledge that to be sure. But yeah, we could move on to the the cream of the crap, I guess. <laughs> Though they're both wonderful oh, offense. Really, don't 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 think about that, listeners. Just just let's just let's just say the names. It, it's a turn of phrase, not an actual visual to impart. Uh, I, well, I, unfortunately, uh, I have an active imagination. Um. So Devin Booker was one of them, the worst defensive PIPM in the NBA, negative 3.68. And remember that defensive PIPM accounts for bad shooting luck. If you look at the on off with Booker off the floor, they actually defended at like a a reasonable rate. 108.7. Now they couldn't score, obviously, but 108.7, that's like pretty close to average this year. With Booker on the floor, 114.5. And again, remember, it's not just like hot shooting, like PIPM adjusts for that. Uh, Defensive RPM, Booker was a little bit better. I think actually Booker, despite the raw numbers being worse, actually benefited some the raw on off numbers being being really bad actually benefited from bad shooting from opponents because uh, in rpm he's only 20th from the bottom also this is one of those ones where he's been very bad for a very long time and now i, I don't believe this to be true especially if you're in a better system that he's a worse de- you know his defense cancels out his offense especially on this team where they've still been better with him on the floor than off i believe let me see let me check if that's true yeah negative six point six on and yeah negative 11 off because he's improved their offense so much but these impact metrics actually say that he's a worse defensive player than he is a positive as an offensive player he is a negative rpm and negative pipm because of that defense even with that crazy offensive contribution that he's helped and I think we've talked many times about what it is that makes Booker so bad. I think mostly losing guys for no reason, not rotating as a help defender, and not getting over any kind of screens. If he, if you go at him just straight up one-on-one, he'll actually get into a stance and try. And sure, he's been in a terrible Suns ecosystem. I don't think his tools are so terrible. I think if you were on another team in a better situation, whatever it is, that he could get better. But we're talking about what happened this year and this is what happened this year uh i ultimately went with trey young over colin sexton as my point guard and i think that's just because young physically although i i think he has better recognition than colin sexton does this sexton has some measure of physicality that he can provide whereas young just doesn't i could see young getting better if he can continue to improve his recognition where and he's he's he didn't get as many steals as i was hoping he would get this year but he's started to i think lately show up in the passing lanes just a little bit more whereas sexton i I think he's has more potential as an on-ball guy and you know if he gets switched into the post he could be a little bit better but they're both terrible i mean sexton's defensive rpm is absolutely atrocious you know that was what made him one of the worst players in the league this year by some of the impact metrics uh he is negative 3.02 defensive PIPM, whereas Young is negative 3.27. And I think they are, I want to say, the bottom two guys in defensive RPM in the whole league. So that, that was a tough decision, but I did go with Trey Young. Uh, where did you end up? Same two guys. I considered Sexton as well. But I think Trey Young just, he, he's bad in a lot of the different phases of defense. You know, he's terrible in transition and then he can he can be attacked one-on-one and then also he can have some decent recognition in, in certain capacities and he's getting better. But yeah, he's he's been real bad. 
and so I went with him. And then Devin Booker, not he also Booker gets the edge over a lot of the shooting guards because he plays so much more, and and so that means that his weaknesses become a bigger deal. You know, he's not coming off the bench like Lou will, and he's way to me he's materially significantly worse than than somebody like Harden or Zach and, and Levine Levine has been bad too I'm not sure if we mentioned him going through yeah yeah I, I mentioned it I, I mean I think he certainly like the Bulls have actually been like okay at times when he hasn't played and when he does I mean if you put a gun to my head and said okay you're constructing a defense and you're gonna die if they're the worst defense in the league, would you rather have Zach Levine or Devin Booker? I would probably rather have Devin Booker. I think Levine might be worse than him just because of his... I mean, Levine might lose shooters off the ball more than like anyone I've ever seen. Something else that's Especially really hard. Something, like something else that's really hard with Booker. I started at, at one point trying to filter out like, oh, how does how does the team defend when Devin Booker doesn't play with other bad defenders? And you can't really do that with the Suns because there are just so many of them that are either young or just bad or whatever, whatever however else you want to go through that. I mean, you're relying on some really young and flawed units when you're going to get down to that small sample size. So that, I think that's a mitigate. I, I think Booker will be, I could be probably will be better if they can do that surrounding stuff we'll just see when that happens if i guess so uh who is your worst defensive player of the year i ended up going with trey i mean it's not uh, it's not as important and i kind of wanted to pick a five there are some that are that are there but i just you know when i watched the hawks you know there were these possessions where just you just sit there going like what is what is trey young doing and while the point of attack is not as important as center sometimes those seems can be just as catastrophic because it creates a situation that, that a defense cannot recover from, especially because the Hawks do not have the personnel to recover from such a from such a seam. So I went with him, but it was it wasn't really a strong year for particularly for anybody in terms of the metrics. It's Knox, but I didn't have that. You know, like he, he didn't have like those kind of like the uh, the 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 plays in my mind. They're like, oh man, like look at this, like just total fail. It's more of a overall like the the box score, like the the rpm pipm stuff and that to me like i'm not going to use that as the justification for picking somebody yeah i went with deandre ayton just because of the number of minutes that he played i mean if you're, if you're going to go with the worst high minute defensive center in the nba i think you can't really go wrong i will say that the impact metrics were not as bad for him as for some guys but generally those are just gonna rate centers higher and guards worse and for me what i saw in film was just so bad maybe he'll get better maybe he'll get into a better system but again for this point in time for this sun's team that was an awful defense and then there were two points per 100 worse with him on the floor per nba.com and you know his backup was another guy in this list Rashawn Holmes or Dragon Bender you know, was another guy who was getting center minutes for them so but it's really more about position to me um I, I was sad that I couldn't pick a Cavalier, but they were just, I mean, considering how bad their overall defense was historically, and may, maybe Sexton should have gotten more consideration than he did. You know what? Can I change my pick to just all of the Cavaliers for not defensive player of the year? Just <laughs> the whole team. Oh, uh, except for David Nwaba. Except for David Nwaba. Nwaba gets accepted. He He's <laughs> he's raptured or whatever. Or Okay, so uh, we did a few more categories here. We're going to do a guard forward and center for most in proved at center 
I went with Miles Turner, probably an average defensive player as recently as a year ago, and now one of the best in the NBA. Honorable mention to Nikola Vucevic. That's been a big part of why he has ascended to all-star level this year. I mean, the Magic defense has been a top 10 unit somehow, and a lot of that's been with the help of Steve Clifford, but Vucevic does at least clean up on the defensive glass, and he's managed to be effective enough. Uh, And with Vucevic on the floor, I think they've even been better than the number eight defense because, you know, they were so bad with uh with bomba out there for a while this year and then carl anthony towns also I, I, he's not good but he's improved to be passable i mean they had at least moments in time this year where they were playing good defense he's never had a wing like covington around him i guess what and they actually played decent defense when butler was on the floor last year too so towns is not good but i haven't seen him just being so atrocious this year uh anyone else you consider at the center position that seems like a pretty good list i mean vooch going from being somebody that we thought of as a negative and yeah they're mitigating you know there are a lot of better surrounding talent this year playing isaac and aaron gordon together but they've defended well overall and so i, th- I think vooch deserves credit for that but but the yeah, jump i'm not that- gonna say he's like some big positive no, no. but to just not be so bad that he's killing you which he has is, been is huge past. absolutely yeah. huge and but but miles turner is my number one as well because also the jump he made to me is yeah is more important you know like getting into that conversation as being you know like he was he wasn't second team for me but he was close and was a key part of what indiana has has done defensively it is a team effort they have they have they've done well overall but that's a huge huge step for miles turner and for the pacers in general yeah indiana this season still the number four defense in the nba last year they were 12th one of the few teams especially when you consider just how much higher the offensive environment is this year they're one of the few teams that actually improved their defensive rating just in terms of raw defense this season so you'll see some uh, some other pacers on this list including uh boyan bogdanovich at forward you generally don't see the biggest leaps between at, at the forward position it seems like guards and centers are a little more visible in some of those because when you look at forwards it's either guys who are just don't have the athleticism or getting attacked all the time they can't really do much about it or you've got the guys who really get a lot of attention because they're guarding the best defensive player uh bogdanovich he was on my worst team all defense small forward last year although small forward is the best position because you just can't hold up there generally unless you're a decent enough defender you're not even playing that position to begin with but bogdanovich actually was again part of a, a solid defense this year really took some strides took on the best wing many nights for indiana and they actually did okay so he was my most improved forward who did you have anyone else there i wouldn't put him over bogdanovich partially because it's such a weird case since he played basically nothing last year but i've been really impressed with the growth dj wilson has had and just wanted to mention that him becoming a a capable rotation player for the bucks has been huge at guard i had eric bledsoe i didn't think it was really very close now of course a lot of that is because He's being asked to do the things that he does really well and fewer of the things that he doesn't. They don't care as much about giving up above the break three-pointers. So if he freelances off of his guy that's not the end of the world to get into the lane and stop penetration that's what their system wants and then when they tell him hey you know what lock into this guy get over screens he might be the best on ball in the whole league at getting over screens not as much off ball but uh, where his attention can wane a little bit more but on ball and then he's a big part of that system where hey we're gonna just drop the big back and we're gonna trust you to get over these screens and contest it you know i thought he did one of the better jobs on curry that we've seen this year for example i think it's 
does a pretty good job on Kyrie and so last year I, I thought that he really I mean he used to be a terror back in his Clippers days and then fell into some really bad habits with Phoenix and and the fact that he was able to unlearn those and get back to being a really good defensive player. Also, the the job that he did on James Harden was very noteworthy, too. Um, who did you have at guard? I didn't really have any particularly strong candidates. So like like you, I ended up with Bledsoe. Just, I, I kind of wanted somebody else, but I didn't see anybody really stand out there. So I, I went with him kind of, not because he's been bad, but just because I, I always liked his tools. And it, it's not, it, as you said, it's more about him doing more of... Of what he's good at rather than really growing but he has been better and he's i think he's been more consistent with his effort we'll see what happens in the playoffs but remember remember last year like he was awful he was bad defensively in that playoff series too yes uh fell off this year who did you have so i mean i think the most disappointing to me is clint capella he was such a central figure in houston's big run last season i mean their defense was I mean, their offense was ridiculous, but their defense was why they were like elite, the best team in the league during the regular season last year. Capella was, I mean, along with PJ Tucker and Chris Paul and and Ariza and all, so many other guys. But to me, I've seen a lot less verve from from him this year. Kawhi, I don't know if it's the injury or whatever else, but we just haven't seen we haven't seen his best play very often this year. And then he's not quite in the same caliber there, but one that again more in the line of more disappointing than falling off. I just haven't seen as much strong Jimmy. Butler defense this year, even after he, you know, was a key part in tanking the first part of the Wolves season and they defended like crap. They also replaced him with Robert Covington, who I think is a better defender. But even in, even on the Sixers, like there are times where he really gets into it and can bring it, but kind of like Kawhi, where it's just, I don't see it possession by possession as much as I would have liked to. And we got, so we got stars in our eyes about how this Philly team could defend and they have been a lot better when their best players have been on the floor. But I, I was kind of hoping for more from him on that end of the floor. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was a big disappointment to me. I think because of that knee issue that he had early in the year, kind of being yanked around in and out of the lineup, Josh Hart, another guy who, again, struggled in part due to health problems. He, he was one that I uh, had higher hopes for. Trevor Ariza at forward. Uh, by the way, I, I agree with you on Capella. He was he was my guy. Uh, dishonorable mention to Amir Johnson, even though he played a limited role. But the reason he played a limited role is because he fell off so much defensively. Uh, and then Al Horford also wasn't quite the same guy throughout most of the year. Another guy who struggled with some knee tendonitis. Um, but yeah, Trevor Ariza at forward and uh, Markeith Morris and Kawhi Leonard were... Uh, the other two guys that I looked at there, but I think Orisa, a big surprise. He went from a team that was competing for a championship to uh, Phoenix and Washington. So yeah, he wasn't going to look quite as good there. Uh, and, and I mean, part of it, I think was just age, but also, also effort and situation. Did you have anyone else in that category? Or should we move on? We can move on. Uh, so for the next thing we're going to talk about is for, or at least the next thing on my list is who is better. And the way I thought about this is better than the common perception. So it's not necessarily, and I had two kind of groups of players here. The first one were foreign born players that get it, that kind of get a little bit of that stigma, but don't deserve it because they're better defensively than that. And I had Maxi Kleba there. I think that Kleba, he's really intriguing. I want to see what his role is next year, presumably with the Mavericks since they have match rights. Nikola Mirotic 
and Joe Ingles. You know, those are Miritich and Ingles have been a part of successful defenses and I would say have been a positive in successful defenses. So that's one group. And then the other group, I don't think there's a rep- they have a reputation as being bad defenders, but they're young guys who I think are good defenders and could be very, very good defenders, but just don't have a rep yet. And so I wanted to single them out. Mikhail Bridges and Bruce Brown. I've really liked their defense this year. And so they, uh, I think they'll get there with time, but just haven't, haven't really had the opportunity to, to get that shine. I mean, Brown is, Brown has done a nice job on the Pistons and of course they're going to make the playoffs, but I wanted to single those guys out for praise. Yeah. I went more with guys who are commonly considered bad and I don't think are necessarily bad. CJ McCollum at guard. I think he is certainly undersized, but he competes every night. You don't see him making a ton of mistakes. He doesn't make plays, but when he's got to guard the other team's two guard, even if it's a bigger guy, he's not going to give an inch. He might get scored on, but he's at least going to fight. At center, Nikola Jokic, I've been very vocal in saying that I don't think he's going to hold up against the best offenses in the playoffs, but he's not a bad defender. He is some of the best hands in the NBA. Ben Taylor did a nice video on him a bit ago, making the note that some of the plays that are logged as blocks for him, like probably should be steals where there's really more strips. And uh, although I think generally players would rather plays be logged as blocks than strips, because if you strip the ball and then your team doesn't recover, it doesn't count as a steal. So at least you get credit in the box score for if it's a block when the guy's starting a shooting motion. Anyway, Jokic, I mean, he's very good recognition. Obviously, if he's in position at the rim and the guy can get the ball up above his waist, they're probably going to score. And his mobility, he's another one of these guys where in pick and roll defense, they have to get him out on the floor to protect him guys from going downhill to him but he has executed that scheme pretty well you know he deserves credit for his effort level he's really improved that this year getting out on shooters so uh, and then at forward Ursan Ilyasova another guy I wrote about him last year that he has the vertical leap of a French bulldog but nonetheless a very effective defensive player he's got maybe the best recognition in the entire NBA as a help defender no real arguments there for me so I use the same general philosophy in terms of like worse than general public perception and the first guy he's not a bad defender but I just people every once in a while Kevin Durant gets defensive player of the year buzz and no I mean he game by game he doesn't do it his his best games yeah I mean he was very good against the Nuggets and all that but he has a lot gets spacey off ball so I just wanted to mention that like he's he's not in that conversation if he applied himself if he like kind of did the approach like Paul George has done this year yeah maybe but he he's not there but then another group of guys I think a lot of them it's either holdover from when they were good and they just aren't at that level anymore like Avery Bradley and Jonathan Simmons Simmons was I mean he was Simmons was a disaster offensively this year and that's why he got traded from traded from Orlando and then lost the quiet tournament and then guys who kind of look like they could be good defenders but aren't Alfred Payton Dennis yeah, Schroeder Dennis Schroeder and Torian Prince and so I, I those were kind of the different groups of like uh, that that I, I thought were were worth mentioning in terms of worse than people think I would add TJ McConnell to that group as a guard although uh, Alfred Payton was uh, on my first team as well just because he came as a rookie had a great defensive reputation he was getting a lot of steals for a while but he looks athletic but just the impact metrics have always been horrible for him he doesn't really get over a screen he loses guys a lot makes a lot of gambles TJ McConnell though is the other one where he's scrappy and you know he can make some plays but he's actually he's only taken one charge this year so he's not like that effective of a help guy just very slow no length and he just doesn't have the ability to really affect ball handlers that much um at forward I had Jason Tatum 
as a, my number one guy he's long the Celtics really defended really well last year but as a one-on-one guy he's just not physical enough you know I, I really don't like him as a one-on-one defender I think guys really go right through him he can get better as he gets stronger and puts more of an emphasis on that part of his game but for, for right now I think he's pretty overrated there's this idea oh he's so long he's like another one of these great athletic long guys like ah, no he's pretty average at best um honorable mention to Chris Middleton who I think it was the second year of of RPM he was like one of the best defensive RPM guys I remember Daryl Morey at the Sloan conference just kind of dropping like oh you know I think Middleton's actually more of an offensive player and that's at a point where Middleton was kind of viewed as just a pure three and d guy and daryl was absolutely correct i think middleton is average at best a little bit slow afoot not in like unbelievable shape from a body composition standpoint not incredibly strong not incredibly long uh and then wilson chandler is another guy who just looks like he'd be a good defender and whether it's due to age or some of those lower body injuries and he wasn't that great even to begin with so uh he's another guy uh who'd you have at center or did we skip your forge we skipped your forge so let's do forge first sorry well i i guess i would probably go with go with Tori and Prince there. Prince and Simmons. I just kind of rattled off at various positions, so I didn't really draw on. But yeah, my center, I think, do people still think DeAndre Jordan's like a good defensive center? I guess. Uh, Yeah, I had him also. Okay. I mean, certainly the the Mavericks seem to think so when they paid him $22 million this year. That's true. All right, two more categories here. The most with the least award. Who are you going with? I want to ask you for an adjudication on this because he's very physically strong. But I kind of feel like we've underrated how good Chris Paul is for how small he is. And he has other strengths. I mean, he's also really smart and everything else. But so I didn't know if he counted as a most with the least, especially with the physical talent he started with now. Obviously, he's much older. Yeah, I think when he was younger, no. But yeah, I mean, for a 34-year-old six-foot point guard to have had, once again, the statistical effect that he's had on Houston's defense, it's not a surprise that when he came back is when they really started trending up again defensively and still is strong enough even to defend in the post they've gone away from that this year i think in part just to kind of save him we may see more of that in the playoffs yeah i think that's a a reasonable one uh joe ingles was mine oh that's a good pick i do wonder about how ingles would defend in a very different ecosystem but i think he's done very well so i'm not i'm not criticizing him for that i just wonder okay the, oh wait uh, i'll mention sure you considering you talked about him for most improved i think bojan bogdanovich is working his way into this conversation but somehow we went through talking about him without mentioning the remarkable stat that he is currently involved in of having zero blocks for the entire season which is truly incredible but he's still a good defender it's just a really weird thing oh no he got a block holy shit oh man what a bummer that is the, that is the, disappointing okay now i need to who, look at when could we who did he block can we look that up against it must have been that pistons game it was in night, the right? pistons game I, I will i will look it up now oh i'm very excited for this do you want to take a guess as i'm pulling it up <laughs> well langston galloway was one of 11 last night so yeah my, my guess was, was a guard galloway. that was it was, was going to be a guard i didn't specifically think langston galloway but that's a good choice oh come on oh that's so disappointing but that's also it's a good example of why those full season those full season stats like people are like oh you know like in 60 games in like nobody's ever done this before and it's like oh yeah because there's still lots of time for the thing that's rare to not happen <laughs> And that's that's what this is. It was a Wayne Ellington three-pointer. But unfortunately, NBA.com does not have the video available. I will have to find it somewhere. Hopefully somebody can post it. Oh, that, wow. that is that both was, exciting was, and disappointing. That was one of the most pregnant, scintillating moments in the history of Dunked On. Yeah, um, I totally could have waited instead of not talking, but I wanted to talk through it. 
well the silence would have gotten edited out anyway um okay least with the most award and i disqualified andrew wiggins from consideration just because i think he may have already lapped wrapped up the lifetime achievement award for this so uh that was just too obvious so i went with someone else but who did you have wiggins definitely gets consideration i'm still frustrated that marquise chris isn't better defensively but then my top two were colin sexton sexton is you could argue that he's more overrated but i mean he has he has good physical tools he could be a much better defender than he is and he's been awful like he was bad in high school from what i remember he was bad in college he was terrible in summer league and he's been bad in the nba but my number one, a guy that I actually, it was fun when we went back and did that draft recap piece. I had written about how I thought he was going to be a, he wasn't going to be as good a defender as people thought. But Torian Prince just. Hey, we finally picked the same guy. Hey. Yeah, like Torian Prince looks like he should be a much better defender than he is. And it's, it's frustrating. And yeah, I mean, a, a forward isn't usually the, the focal point of a team's defense, but he's not helping things and he should be helping things. Yeah, he is on academic probation at Hawks University right now. Now I'm trying to think of what players with like dreadlocks are actually better defenders than people think. Like, is there is there the reverse parallel? Like, because I mean, Kenneth Freed was overrated for years. Yeah, it's uh maybe Damari Carroll's underrated at this point. Yeah, I think he was. You could go back to uh, Ronaldo Balkman. All right, we're really getting off the rails here. Let, let's wrap this up. You got anything to talk about before we go? Yeah. So my offseason preview series, which will eventually be all thirty teams, started at the Athletic. It started with the Washington Wizards shortly after they fired Ernie Grunfeld. It continued with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then basically the pieces will be rolled out as teams get eliminated, and then the five lottery teams are going to be after that, or after the lottery happens. So those will be rolling out theathletic.com slash cap space. I think the link still works. And also real gym radio i am this is one of the rare occasions where i'll say who my guest is because we're recording it immediately after this i'm gonna have tim bontemps on of espn talking primarily about the eastern conference so that'll be a lot of fun and i have some warrior stuff that is in the offing but it's not all the way ready yet so that'll be coming out since this is the last episode we're recording this week it'll probably be out by around the next time you all hear from us all right and that will be on sunday we'll finally get to the awards and we'll talk to you all late on sunday night until then Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.